Greetings, film pals. I bid you welcome to The Cinematic Crypt, a movie podcast hosted by Movie John's Old Sport and Classic Corner, Rosalie Kicks. Me. Each episode, I travel six feet under and pry open a coffin of one of my favorite Hollywood corpses and perform a post-watch examination of one of their forgotten films. Lend me your ears and listen along as I summon the spirits of Hollywood's dearly departed and uncover your next favorite film from the grave. Before we descend into the crypt, I will begin with reading my obituary, a notice of what I have been up to since we last spent time together. Since we last met, I found myself like most of the world in the confines of my home, which has given me time for much plotting and scheming. I have been working on putting together the latest issue of everyone's favorite print movie zine, Movie John, which features life in the future. That's right, jetpacks, flying cars, and spaceships. What shall your future hold? Well, you can find out by subscribing to the zine at moviejohn.com shop, and the answers shall be delivered to your mailbox. Besides the zine, I've been trying not to go completely doom and gloom in these trying times. I found the best way to accomplish this is to escape in a book or turn to my friends in the basement, my collection of films. I find nothing more comforting than spending a night with my cinematic pals from some of my favorite flicks, such as Dracula, Back to the Future, or The Ghost in Mrs. Muir. With everything seemingly falling down around us, it is nice to know that my movies are always there when I need them most. That is why I highly recommend that if you don't have your own film library, you may want to think twice, for when things get completely grim, my home cinema projector shall not go dark. Between our VHS, DVDs, Blues, and 4Ks, my partner in crime, Ben, aka Our Little Eddie, have amassed over 2,400 flicks. So I say, if the world decides to crumble, it will be alright by me, for I'll just take a trip to the Leonard family basement, our own personal video rental store. One of the largest selections, 32 different categories. See it. What a difference. We can run them for three evenings. More videos. More selection. More fun. Other than getting lost in films, I recently discovered something quite exciting that actually fits with the theme of our recent zine and the film that I will be speaking about on today's program. In surfing the World Wide Web, I stumbled upon a 1965 doll that will soon be traveling to my home from the moon. That's right. Apparently, Dick Tracy, yes, as in the comic strip detective Dick Tracy, created in 1931 by Chester Gould, had a granddaughter named Little Honey Moon, and she will be arriving to the crypt early next week. The darling dolls are simply ecstatic to learn all about her adventures in outer space and hear the wild tales of the galaxy. For those that are new to the program, with the release of Episode 8, The Death Kiss, 
I introduce the premiere of the pilot episode of Learning Manners with David Manners. This will be a mini, mini web series that I air monthly in which a gaggle of dolls from my laboratory learn manners from the now very much alive, but once recently departed film actor, David Manners. He is back from the dead and here to get these dolls in shape. Stay tuned for an all-new episode of Learning Manners with David Manners, premiering in April, which can be found on Vimeo by searching Old Sport or at moviejohn.com, go to MJ Podcasts and visit the Cinematic Crypt page. You don't want to miss the meet and greet with Dick Tracy's adopted son Junior's love child with the Moon Lady, so make sure to tune in, goblins and ghouls. All right, film pals, time to grab your cape and get comfortable. It is time for our regularly scheduled spooky program. Follow me, but watch your step as you descend down to the cinematic crypt. In this episode, you are in for a special treat, goblins and ghouls, for I am broadcasting from my very own cinematic laboratory in honor of today's film that I shall be dissecting, the 1958 motion picture Frankenstein 1970, starring the illustrious and distinguished Boris Karloff. Karloff is back! Karloff! 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 The one, the only king of monsters returns to the screen as the demon of the atomic age. Frankenstein, 1970. A black and white flick shot in Cinemascope. And for those not familiar, Cinemascope is an anamorphic lens that was used from 1953 to 1967 to shoot widescreen films that could be then screened in theaters at that time, utilizing existing equipment with a lens adapter. Crypt fans are probably familiar with the Cinemascope logo that flashes before many old films of this time. This type of lens was later discontinued to future inventions. However, the anamorphic widescreen format is still continued to be used today. I stumbled upon Frankenstein 1970 when I was searching for a film to write about for the latest issue of Movie John. As I said, it deals with the future. In conducting my research, I tend to hone in on flicks that are less well-known or haven't been recently uncovered. Directed by Howard W. Koch, and being that it was made in 1958, but entitled Frankenstein 1970, this probably comes as no surprise that the intent was for it to be a futuristic film of sorts. It tells the story of Baron Victor von Frankenstein, played by Boris Karloff. He is the cadaver of interest in today's episode. This was Karloff's fifth Frankenstein flick, but the first time in which he actually was playing as a member of the family rather than the monster or simply a mad scientist. Baron Victor von Frankenstein suffers from a troubled past involving Nazis who punished him by disfiguring his face after he refused to cooperate with them in World War II. Yet, he now presses on as a scientist, conducting experiments in his subterranean lab. He has found himself in a predicament, though. He lacks funds, which has kept him from purchasing an item that every household needs, a space-age atomic reactor. 
In order to come up with the dough, he rents out his residence, his family's German castle, to a television crew to shoot a made-for-TV horror flick that centers around his monster-making heritage. Now I got the whole thing figured out. Coffins, epitaphs, lightning, thunder, and you down in the vaults giving us the lowdown on your great-great-grandfather, the first Frankenstein, the one who created the monster. It ties in with the film portion of the show we shot today, but we'll do the clip live with you. This arrangement allows Frankenstein the money to buy his atomic reactor, which will now be utilized to fulfill his family's destiny, to create a monster from dead flesh. Before we get too far in this story, there is another key ingredient besides the atomic reactor that is needed for his experiment, and that is body parts. Gottfried, something is on your mind, say it. It is difficult. It has never been difficult for you to speak in the past. This is different. Something has happened. Something is changing. It is you, Victor. I've been very concerned with you these past days, Victor. What kind of dealings do you have with the director of the morgue? Are you interested in corpses? <laughs> Godfrey. The television crew doesn't just bring the monetary means to accomplish his experiment, but also the literal parts needed to carry it out. One by one, he kills off the crew and even his trusty butler for spare parts. Goblins and ghouls, have you ever created a monster? Well, I have, of course. Let me tell you, it is no easy feat. In this very laboratory that I broadcast to you now is where I once created a six-foot-and-something-tall inanimate rabbit that answers to the name Bunny Holly. When one measures from the top of his ears to the tootsies of his feet, it is no secret that he is one statuesque creature. I will share some pictures on the Cinematic Crypt Instagram and over at moviejohn.com on the Cinematic Crypt page of this rockin' rabbit. He is a sight to behold. If you decide to experiment and create a monster of your own, beware goblins and ghouls. Treat the creature right. Take them to see the sights and on picnic lunches or out to the cinema to catch the latest flick. Otherwise, you shall pay the consequences. Much like what happens to our dear friend Boris in Frankenstein, 1970. So Frankenstein is gathering parts here, there, and everywhere. Now what might come as quite a surprise is that the end result basically is just a ginormous mummy-type figure. The creature is literally wrapped in a toilet paper type material, and due to a lab mishap, has no eyes. Lesson learned, goblins and ghouls. When you are retrieving eyes from your refrigerator, don't have butterfingers. Upon taking the eyes out of his 1950s style fridge, Boris accidentally drops them, causing quite the calamity as his former butler is now blind. Luckily, there is a fresh pair of eyes nearby, thanks to the cinematographer. Crew members start disappearing left and right, and so does the evidence via this what appears homemade garbage disposal in Boris's lab. This receptacle became quite the point of contention as the initial sound effect was deemed too horrific by the studio and was then later changed to a toilet flushing sound which ended up giving the film a hokey and silly feel, resulting in audience laughter. 
It is believed to be the first time a toilet flush was heard in a motion picture. And later, when the film was played on TV in the early 60s, it was then thought to be the first toilet flush heard on television. Eventually, the creature turns on Frankenstein himself, and they both are killed in a radioactive blast. When the radiation and the dust settles, so to speak, the monster is unwrapped, and an audio tape, which was a frequent character in the film, is played back, revealing the grand plan of Frankenstein to create a replicated version of himself, basically his way of pickling, to ensure that the Frankenstein family lineage continued as he was the last surviving member. Mwah. All of this is totally normy, making a creature in his own image so that he could survive and live on. This is another film that would not be classified as a masterpiece, and I'm sure at some point before I am covered in dirt, I shall revisit it. Let's just say it won't be anytime soon, though. There are many Boris flicks that I have to catch up with, and this would not be on my top list for a rewatch. Much like the movies of this period, known as science fiction theater, they were often low-budget flicks that were aimed at a teenage audience. They regularly had plots or themes that dealt with a fear of nuclear weapons, invasion, threats to humanity, and concerns of that time. I'm telling you, George, if you do not ask Lorraine to that dance, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. But I can't go to the dance. I'll miss my favorite television program, science fiction theater. However, there were still many moments that I feel I must deem memorable, and much like George McFly, I wouldn't want to miss. So Boris not only lives in a castle, but he has a crypt, an actual crypt in his basement, and it is absolutely magnificent. Revealed with the twist of a statue's head is a secret passageway in his crypt that leads to an underground bunker lab. This is where he conducts all his experiments and where the atomic reactor is located. I shall really have to tell you the story of the Inquisitive Commandant. The one at Belsam, remember? Victor, I watched you tonight at the organ. That was no music you ever played before. Not the way you played it. I never felt it that way before. Victor, they might believe that you want that atomic element to supply electric power, but I... Victor, you and I have always shared the truth. I know the history of your family. I know you are the last of your line. There are no others to follow you. What are you trying to say? The voice of Karloff is what dreams are made of. I find it absolutely soothing, and immediately following this recording, we'll be looking to see if he has ever made any audio tapes of sorts. Not only did I find his voice comforting, but there were also several moments within the film that made me realize I was not alone in this wild world, and may in fact be more normie than I thought. 
like stripping skin off skulls, keeping body parts in my basement 1950s-style refrigerator, utilizing hypnotism as a way to achieve collaboration amongst other humans, and the use of the word splendid to describe the delivery of scientific equipment. The overall atmosphere of the castle the fog. As much as the film wants to be set in the future, the only real futuristic thing about it is the atomic reactor. Initially, the movie was going to be entitled Frankenstein 1960, but it was deemed not futuristic enough, and there was also the issue that it seemed too outlandish that one would be purchasing his own atomic reactor in 1960, because we all know those didn't become an everyday item available for purchase until at least the 80s. Come in. You know why I've asked you here. You must convince the villagers that I'm harmless. You're trembling. Are you afraid? Have some nice hot coffee. It's butternut. Like it? Butternut has found a way of making coffee richer without being bitter. Take this. Oh, don't worry. I've lots more. Butternut coffee. Regular and instant. Rich, but never bitter. I would be amiss if I didn't speak about Karloff's attire. His wardrobe in this film is on point, which reminds me, I need to obtain a pair of goggles. They are very necessary. I can't believe I have gone this long without a pair. Of course, I have a lab coat. I'm not that ill-prepared. But it would also be nice to have a velvet robe, especially for relaxing in the moonlight. If anything, this film gives me hope for my dream of making a feature flick, as it was shot in a mere eight days. That's right, watch out world. Lastly, this film reminds me not only of just the importance of having a laboratory in your home, but that I should be doing more recording of things that I'm doing to capture, like a time capsule, for someone to later find and discover. Tired of living, want to die? Well, here's a real good reason why. It all begins about 12 o'clock When the graves all open and we start to rock Graveyard rock Graveyard rock In the graveyard Graveyard I hope you enjoyed the episode of The Cinematic Crypt. If you would like to watch Frankenstein 1970, because maybe you're looking for some lab inspiration yourself, I highly recommend picking up the Blu-ray copy, which was put out by Warner Archive. However, if you are short on funds, much like Baron, you can find it online via a website, archive.org. A quick Google search ought to get you there. In my next episode, I will be uncovering the grave of Max Schreck to dissect the 1922 silent picture, Nosferatu, directed by F.W. Murnau. Hope you tune in. Until then, please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and give us a rating and review to help other goblins and ghouls find the show. If it is a kind review, I may even read it on the show. Like this one, from my film pal, Silver Whatever. This is an excellent podcast, and very unlike many other film podcasts. This is one where you will discover older movies to watch, 
Rather than a discussion, she shares that love directly with you in a way that is soothing and will inspire you to watch more movies. Rosalie Kick's enthusiasm for older films is contagious. Hey, thanks, Silver Whatever. So take note, goblins and ghouls. A raving review should keep you from finding an early grave. Mwah! So log on to iTunes to leave your own review. Or send us an email. Don't be a stranger. I want to know what you think. Drop your favorite little gravedigger a line at cinematiccrypt at gmail.com. If you have a suggestion for the show or a corpse you want me to dig up, just let me know. You can also reach me on Twitter and Instagram at cinematiccrypt. Don't forget to visit moviejohn.com shop to subscribe to the movie zine that I create quarterly with my film pals. Our next issue features jetpacks, flying cars, and spaceships. Yes, that's right. The future. Does your future hold a mailbox filled with awesomeness? Visit moviejohn.com shop to subscribe today. Shout out to my Canadian film pal, Dr. Ashley Jane Carruthers, for providing and creating a lot of the tunes you hear on this program. Also, thanks to fellow movie genre, the Hollywood hunk, Hugo Marmuji, for the rad Cinematic Crypt logo. You are both simply grand. Also, if you can't get enough of my soothing voice, stay tuned after the program to hear a short advert about the return of Movie John's flagship podcast that I will be co-hosting with my film pal, Ryan Silberstein, hitting the airwaves Monday, April 6th. I Saw It in a Movie is a film advice podcast that goes to the cinema for the answer. This weekly podcast will feature a rotation of Movie John pals to serve as experts to answer all of your burning questions. No question is too silly. Maybe you are wondering where to start in silent film watching, or what to do with that creepy doll that is hiding out in your attic. Ask away by contacting us on Twitter at I Saw It in a Movie or email us at dearisawitinamovie at gmail.com. Or if you're old-fashioned, like your favorite little gravedigger here, you can contact us via postal mail at Attention Movie John, P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145. Feel free to send me some gifts there, too. All of this information is available on our website as well at moviejohn.com under MJ Podcasts. Can't wait to hear from you, old sport. And remember, for every question, there is a movie with the answer. We'll meet again Don't know where Don't know when But I It is now time to close the coffin. Here I leave you to rest with my latest epitaph, my tombstone quote, compliments of William Gottfried, Frankenstein's financial advisor. What kind of deals do you have with the director of the morgue? Because if you're going to try to sell my corpse, I hope you are making a pretty penny on it, and they better be paying you top dollar. Goodbye, film pals. Get the hotel? No. The phone's dead. You hear that, Petus? The phone is dead. Even the phone is dead.
Do you need help or advice? Does your wardrobe need sprucing up or do you lack the confidence to achieve your goals? Have you or any of your family had an encounter with a creepy doll in your home or attic? Do you need help knowing where to start with silent films or French New Wave? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Tweet, email, or post the professionals. I I saw saw it in in a movie. movie. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your movie advice needs. Find I Saw It in a Movie wherever you catch your pods. For every question, there is a movie. Send your questions to Dear I Saw It in a Movie at gmail.com. Who are you going to call? They can't call yet. I just said how they can tweet or email or write. Hello? Yes, of course they're serious. 